Hey, this is David Smalley with Dogma Debate Radio, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know. We don't have non-astrologers and all that. But with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist. That's a classic. What the hell? Never heard that? No. <laughs> Back from a short hiatus at Wally World, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, I am your host. Joining me as usual is the overpriced hot dog fries and drinks of atheism. Guys, welcome back. Are you guys ready to give indigestion and high blood pressure to our audience? Oh, as long as they don't give it back, I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> guys had a good week, I hope? Well, busy, busy week, but it's it's nice to be back. Okay, you know, I, I I I enjoy, and I hope everybody enjoys that we're we're there once a week, and I hope they were a little disappointed when we weren't. But well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today we're going to be talking about Tyler. What's the name of the book? The Origins of Religion. Yeah, that should be great with our guest Ben Andrews that we'll bring shortly. But first, I want to get into a little something I thought you guys might find interesting. The whole burkini debate. The burkini. Yeah. So um, this is a uh, this is a law that was ad- adopted in France. Uh, that was a, a kind of a retaliation from the attack in Nice last July. It's uh, the authorities are saying it's done to protect secularity, and um, a lot of the French are saying it's the, the inability of Islam to adapt to France and secularity. Is it just hatred? For those people that might not know what happened here, is uh, France has passed a couple of laws that saying the burkini, which is essentially kind of like a burqa for swimming, or like. Muslim it covers, wear. covers the whole yeah, body. Yeah, it's like a full suit, uh, bathing yeah. suit. Uh, should not be allowed in public beaches in France. What do you guys think about this? You think the, the French are out to out to dinner on this, or you think they well, might have a point? For it, if I recall correctly, they made the burqa in general illegal in Belgium. Right? Yes. Okay, that's correct. Uh, well, they've they've made some some uh, several uh, things like that. Several uh, towns, uh, the veil, for example, is not allowed in public either. Uh, and uh, I think the burqa as well. I can understand certain circumstances, like if I, you know, dressed up in a full burqa and you know you couldn't see my face, and I walked into the bank. Yeah, you might have an issue with that, but I mean, even as an atheist, this whole—it's at the beach, right? We got bigger problems. I wouldn't be spending my time and energy on that. Yeah, I mean, if you have a person who belongs to a religious group or maybe not even a religious group, some kind of a secular group that um, doesn't like exposure, you know, of, of the body, men, women, or whatever, are are they also against the law? Is it only Muslims if you have a sun allergy and you wear a lot? I mean, who is it hurt? I, I look at it. Who is it harming? Are they afraid that... The, uh, people are going to attack a, a person wearing that, or are, where where is the harm? 
Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, I'm not sure where I stand in this debate. I, I almost, as a Francophone myself, I almost understand very well what the French are trying to do here. I don't think it's out of hatred. I don't think it's out of we hate uh, Muslim or Islam uh, because uh, there are some laws passed like that too for yarmulkes, for example, and stuff like this. It's France, for example, has a long history of the go beyond separation of church and state. For them, you know, the religion should be separate from the national identity. And this actually spans from the French Revolution. Which we covered at one point yes, in the history. Yeah. The king, of course, yeah. had the, the, the divine consent of God to rule like an ass. So when the French took over and decided, you know, we're not going to have any king, well, they kind of threw the church out in a way as well. Um, so... Th- I think we have a tendency to look at this a lot with our North American eyes of, you know, individual freedom. And I don't think the French are looking at it the same way. I think the French are basically saying, look, uh, we hear it all the time right here in Canada or the U.S., for example. When somebody comes over, how many times do you hear somebody, well, you come over from your country, you can't even learn the, the freaking language? Why? Why can't you adapt to society here? And I think the French have taken that maybe a bit further than we would down here. So I'm not, I'm not going to say the French are, have lost their gourd. I think, I, think, I think they're being a bit genuine in what they're trying to do here. Seems like anti-multicultural. I don't see the pragmatic reason here. You know, I'm a pragmatist and a utilitarianist. Like I said, I understand not letting them into the bank for the same reason mm-hmm. you can't wear a Halloween mask into yep. the liquor store. <laughs> Experienced that one firsthand. Um, but what's the pragmatic reason i i think yeah, I, and, and i think what bothered me, i'm sorry kevin i just stepped off no, go right ahead Step <laughs> what, on me. what bothered me was and i didn't read the entire article but what bothered me is the photograph of the french police armed french police with this poor woman and all she's doing is you know making sure that her body is is covered and yet yeah. they wanted her to take it off in front of everybody at the I beach agree. how is this i agree know, i think that, that was a step humane too far. To, to uh anybody i totally agree i think that was a step too far however i think the 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 spirit of the law what they're trying to do here is 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 good it's a bit the same debate we had here when quebec tried to pass that law about government officials removing all religious Symbols. Well, when a, when a Jewish person walks into any building mm-hmm. in France, are they not allowed to wear a hat or that's, a yarmulke or a head covering? That's a good question. I'm not exactly sure. You know, can be... can the nice little Catholic girl not wear her cross? Can nice little Jewish girls or men not wear the Star of David? How far? Because how you far do you take it? Yeah, and how government, far does that go? Government employees is also different too, right? Yeah, if you're like a police officer, you, you know, I don't know what the I can barely hear you. You got to speak in the mic, dude. Oh, sorry about that. Can yeah. you hear me now? Yeah, much better. Great. Can you hear me now? Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, if you uh, if you want to wear a turban, right? Can you like wear that as part of a police uniform here in like Abbotsford? Is that that's considered? Yeah, I wasn't a, sure what they decided in the that. RCMP. You can. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't care if they did. My issue is when they want to wear the turban instead of a military helmet or instead of oh, a yeah. motorcycle we, helmet because that's pra- a pragmatic reason. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. No, you can still do that here if you seek. For for example, you can wear just your turban and not wear a motorcycle helmet. There's you know, okay. Well, whatever. You know what? If people don't wear motorcycle helmets and they get into accidents mm-hmm. and they get hurt, fuck them. 
Well, yeah, but then everybody <laughs> everybody will say, yeah, but your insurance rates goes up too, right? Yeah, these are Everybody's like pretzel insurance. laws. You can't. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. just absolutely pretzel it's, laws, and it, it's impossible. Well, it's possible depending on the point of view. But if you take everybody into consideration, you know, you end up like a deer in the headlights trying mm-hmm. to figure it out. Although we should have somebody on the show that will perhaps give us a better maybe insight. We should bring up not that you aren't, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but we should get somebody. You know, because um, I think it would make a great, a great full show discussion. I think we have bigger problems, and we should prioritize. But yeah. I didn't know the town or the city in France was called Niche. Niche. Mm. Yeah, my phone. Yep. So funny. Says nice. Yeah. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, there nice was there. there was a terrorist attack in Nice today. I'm like, well, isn't that <laughs> ironic? <laughs> no. I also, you have to understand that in France, they've had a huge influx of Muslim, mm-hmm. a very recent too, and they've opened their doors to Islam and and, the, and Muslim, I should say. Uh, so I don't think it's uh, it's you can call it. Uh, it's not hatred towards Islam. Uh, of course, there is going to be a segment of the population. Probably a conservative segment of the population that's going to go. Oh, these freaking immigrants! Like, they should go back home and all that. But I don't think what's that's that's what's pushing it. I think what the government here is trying to do is say, if you if you come from an Islamic country and with Islamic traditions, and you bring your traditions here. It isolates you from the rest of the population. It makes integration mm. much more difficult. By making integration much more difficult, they all piled up in the same area, and that area becomes problematic. Because right. then you have a whole bunch of people that are not integrating, they're not getting jobs, they're not living the quote-unquote Western dream, and then, of course, violence erupts, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I understand the authorities' position on trying to remove the person from the religion to have them integrate better into France. I totally yeah. understand that. This I, isn't a freedom of no- religion, it's a freedom of religious expression. But to me, there's thing, n- yeah. Right? But to me, there's no straight line between that and wearing a burkini at the beach. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I, don't I, see, I yeah. could, as I say, if I had a sun allergy and I'm sitting right next to the burkini lady and we're both shielded, and and only one of us has to strip down, I think that's discriminatory. I agree. It wouldn't bother yeah. me if somebody was wearing a burqa yeah, or, a I mean, there's no... or whatever. I can understand if your face is covered. That makes people nervous because you can't ID somebody. So That's a pragmatic reason. But So maybe these police officers have taken this a bit too far. Yeah, I no, would say. Absolutely. As a pragmatist, a beach like yeah. That, yeah, for yeah, sure. I'm a pragmatist, so I don't see I know you've point. been saying that like 10 times. Already. I know, but that's what... Anybody every, who ev- does not know, Tyler is a pragmatist. Yes. Every, what, everybody pragmatist? needs to look at things <laughs> that way. Everybody needs to, I think, anyways. Because then we just get into these stupid emotional discussions that doesn't actually produce any results, right? No, we don't. <laughs> because I'm, you know, you know, I'm sure if I went to the beach and I wore a regular bikini, the police would come and beg me to cover up. <laughs> I would be, I mean, the whole beach, the whole beach would say, please get this lady to put a bikini on now. Yeah, just imagine if I was wearing a bikini. You're not, you're, you're, you're not, I was about to pull that joke, Nancy. You just, uh, you were just faster than me on the draw. We've been there. doing this show too long, Kevin. We're starting to think alike. I just beat you to it. Nancy in a bikini and me and a speedo on the beach something there you don't <laughs> want to see it's prohibited hand, by the government hand in hand let's go to the, the go to vancouver and see what happens <laughs> let's go with this day in history dear okay here we go <laughs>
And here we go, which as we know by this time that this day in history is a roundup of those events and people that alternate, oh, goodness, I can't keep my tongue, that altered and illuminated the days between before we took our little break and today. So it's going to go from August the 15th to the 28th. So we didn't want to slight history, you know, for one, one moment during that time. So August the 15th was Assumption Day. And in 1969, it was also the opening of Woodstock, an opening in, in Upper New York. It lasted three days. It had peace and music. It had 32 acts that were performed outdoors before an audience of 400,000. So I know that was before everybody's, pretty much before people's time here, but do you, anybody here, a fan of Woodstock or the videos or the music that came out? You talking about the little yellow bird or... No. no. <laughs> you know what it, they say? It, it's a bit like the 60s. If it did you remember change Woodstock, the lifestyle, you know. They say about the 60s and Woodstock. If you remember Woodstock, you weren't there. The, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nancy was there taking LSD. Yeah. Okay, moving on. August 16th was Children's Day in Paraguay. And in 18... This is so cute. This is really a cute little story. In 1877, Thomas Edison, one of our, one of our heroes and invented almost everything... Decided to have a greeting that everybody would remember when they answered the phone. Here we take it for granted, and so the um, uh, Alexander Bell, he and Alexander Graham Bell were having a little discussion as to what that greeting should be. And here's the funny part: is Alexander Graham Bell, who invented the telephone wanted everybody to answer the phone and say, Ahoy! Ahoy there! Ahoy! And Thomas Edison said, Let's do hello. And let's be glad that Thomas Edison, <laughs> or, or today we would still be saying, Ahoy! Ahoy! Into our like smartphone. <laughs> Isn't that what Mr. Bird says when he picks up the phone? From the yeah, ahoy! Where does hello come from? He just pulled yeah, it out of August, his ass or what? Yeah, August the 17th was Bad Poetry and National Thrift Shop Day. So oh, I know I'm a thrift shopper, not so much a bad poetry, so I've got to expand my <laughs> bad poetry. In 1859, on August 17th, a hot air balloon called Jupiter was used to carry mail for the very first time. And it was done by John Wise in Lafayette, Indiana, and he headed for New York with a hundred letters that were all stamped via balloon on the letters, so they would they would make a, a good uh, souvenir. So, unfortunately, he got up to um, the 14,000 feet, but only went 27 miles because the weather wasn't on his side, that the wind wasn't blowing right. And Still, he got up there, but it took him five hours to go those 27 miles fighting the wind, and he finally gave up and landed, and even though the mail went partway, it was put on a train to New York City. The and mail was late. Guess what? <laughs> yeah, so they called it the transcontinental trip. It's a continental trip. So in 1957, they actually found a stamped letter, and it's at the Smithsonian. But the first real airmail flight in an airplane took place a half century later, in uh, February 1911, when three letters were carried a few miles between Petaluma and Santa Rosa, California. Um, August the 20th was World Mosquito Day, and after all the problems we're having with mosquitoes, you might wonder why in the world would anybody devote a 
day to it, and it actually commemorates um, Dr. Ronald Ross, who was a British doctor, discovery in 1897 that female mosquitoes transmit malaria between humans. So if you see a mosquito, you have to ask, hey, are you a guy or a gal? (laughs) Well, there's an easy way to recognize it. If you can look close enough to the mosquito, if he's got fluffy antennas, it's a male. (laughs) It's true. They actually have, instead of just the regular antennas, well, yeah, they have like, so they pick up the pheromones. So that's not like a sexist mosquito? No, no. That's right. (laughs) And the males don't bite. Only the the females. Yeah, only the females are annoying, eh? So you got to really put your glasses on to see if they're fluffy before you get... I've got great eyesight. I'll do that next time. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Tyler, you're in charge. And on uh, World Mosquito Day, Charles Darwin first published his theory of evolution. Isn't that wonderful for today's show? It's been a prick in the sight of Christianity ever since. Yeah. (laughs) Through Natural Selection and the Journal of um, the Linnean Society of London. And the other gentleman that also published right at that time is a gentleman named Alfred Russell Wallace, who had the same theory. So, And it's a fascinating story between what Charles Darwin wrote and um, Alfred Russell Wallace. So I encourage you to either find a book or Google to, to get all the details. They're really, really interesting. August the 26th, Women's Equality Day. Um, women were granted the right to vote in 1920 in the U.S. And it was also National Hot Dog Day, which came a lot, or, a lot later, but it was Women's Equality Day. Um, 1973 on the 26th was the Second Humanist Manifesto. Um, that updated the one which is written in 1933. The, the most quoted from that is, we appreciate the need to preserve the best ethical teachings and the religious traditions of humankind, many of which we share in common, but we reject those features of traditional religious morality that deny humans a full appreciation of their own potentials and responsibilities. Nice. Um, August the 28th was is Dream Day. Martin Luther King developed, um, delivered the, the dream speech. And in 1837, this is really cute for, for two things to have happened on August the 28th, although different dates. In 1837, pharmacist John Lee and William Perrins of Worcester, England, began the manufacture of the sauce that bears that name. And its origin was accidental. The, the chemists, whose name on the bottle, were asked to make a sauce um, using a recipe uh, from the governor of Bengal in India, from, from India, and he brought it with him from India. And they tried to duplicate it, but it had a very harsh, unpalatable taste. So they bottled it up and stored it, figuring we'll do something with it later. They forgot about it, and a year later, they just tasted it by chance to see if it had gone rotten, and voila, the sauce was tasty. So upon selling the new savory sauce, they found a continued demand up until today, so 1837. Great things do happen when you forget stuff. They do, they do. In 1898, Pepsi-Cola was invented. It was created and, and developed in 1893, and originally it wasn't called Pepsi. It was called Brad's Drink, which is kind of interesting. It was renamed Pepsi-Cola on August the 28th, 1898. So not nice. oldies and goodies, Worcester sauce and Pepsi-Cola. And the obesity rate has been increasing ever since. <laughs> and that, dear listeners, brings to a close another passing parade of interesting, mundane, unusual, and occasionally bizarre events and people that make up this day in history. Thank you, Nancy, as usual. 
very entertaining and informative. You know, my father actually used to work at Pepsi. Oh, really? Yeah, he worked in the warehouse. He was actually stuck three days in the warehouse when they had the storm of the century baggies. Did he like the stuff, or was he? Well, he had plenty to drink for that three days. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to add a little. And then never had a never had a drop after. <laughs> I have to add a little correction, Nancy. Uh, okay. Martin Luther King Jr. did not write the I Have a Dream speech. That was actually Donald Trump's wife wrote that. <laughs> 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 Mulaney. Thank you how very much. Could, how could I forget? I'm sorry, Melania. My, <laughs> my extreme I don't know, apologies or regrets. Yeah. One of the two. I had to say Trump's wife because I had absolutely no idea how to pronounce her name. <laughs> it's Melania. Yeah, with my uh, voice software. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Melania is what yeah. term something. M- M- Melania, Melania. <laughs> and we'll be right back right after this. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. Here's an excerpt from Mum, Dad, I'm an Atheist by David G. McAfee. It is the same highly regarded concept of an afterlife that allows misguided religious people to justify the mistreatment of those who disagree with their religious ideologies. They are simply trying to protect you from eternal damnation in the afterlife by condemning you, insulting you, and even disowning you in this life. It is not to say that becoming open about your disbelief is always going to be met with these negative reactions and, in fact, that is precisely what this work is hoping to prevent. But it is important to understand that if you experience negative reactions from religious kin, it is probably a result from the religion's teachings and likely not from any personal vendetta or hatred. Find this audiobook and many more at atheistaudiobooks.com. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatchers such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. Right, joining us on the line from Barrie, Ontario, we have our friend Ben Andrews. Hi, Ben. How you doing? <laughs> See, we got the live audience applauding just for you, my friend. <laughs> uh, and we're going to get into the book you wrote today. But for our audience that might not know about you, would you be so kind to give us a brief Reader's Digest version of who you are? Oh, I'm uh, Dutch-born. 
and went uh, uh, after I finished uh, mechanical engineering uh, in Amsterdam, uh, I came to Canada and uh, eventually uh, became a high school teacher and retired uh, uh, from that. Uh, I was brought up uh, very uh, in a Dutch reformed uh, environment with a very religious family and uh, even helped to teaching Sunday school as a teenager. But I started questioning some of the tenets of the church that, that didn't make any sense to me. So I have been researching religions and, uh, and especially the origin of religion. How did we get to that? Uh, for about oh, 30 years, I would say. But not till my retirement, uh, I started uh, seriously writing things down. And uh, the accumulation of that uh, material after about uh, seven years of, 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 uh, of writing, I uh, published a book. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and Ben is going to stay with us for the rest of the show. But right now, we'll get into a segment that everybody loves called Another Brilliant Moment, brought to you by Religion. Yes, Another Brilliant Moment. I can't hear that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> now, we all know that the almighty Jewish carpenter has a tendency to smite sinners. You guys knew that, right? Whether it's tornadoes against gays or earthquakes for <laughs> feminists, Christians were always quick to remind us that natural disasters are the punishment we deserve for straying away from the path of Bronze Age gold herders. But what about the good Christian preachers? Aren't they protected? You guys know of Tony Perkins? I think we're about to learn a little more about the poor man. Tony Perkins is the anti-gay Christian group. He's the president of an anti-gay Christian group research council. He revealed this week that his home had been destroyed in a flood of near-biblical proportions. Uh oh, what did he do? Well, he lives around Louisiana. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was reading about that. So I wondered what he did that got punished in that one. Well, obviously he's closet gay and obviously. God is punishing him. I can't think of any other <laughs> you know, um, reason other than that. <laughs> During a Monday broadcast of Family Research Council Radio, these guys have their own radio, Perkin called in from Louisiana to explain that he and his family had escaped his flooded home in a canoe. This is a flood, quote, this is a flood, I would have to say, of near-biblical proportion, the Christian lobbyist announced. Perkin said that he and his family were now, now living off God's provisions and had relocated to their RV, which had been spared. While Perkins claimed that the flood brought him blessings from God, Christian leaders have often had much different reaction to other natural disasters. After Hurricane Katrina flooded New Orleans in 2005, televangelist Pat Robinson, remember old Pat? Oh yeah. Suggested that God was punishing the country for legalizing abortion and megachurch mega pastor John Hagee declared that God had sent the floods to stop the gay pride parade. So what, Nancy, I think you had the question right there. What, what does this mean for... Poor guy there. What's his name? You know, it's so easy to totally avoid anything that you don't know about science and say, God did it because. I mean, you, you don't have to have a brain going on in your head. You just have to have a slight dose of Trumpism where you say, he did it. And because, you know, God did it, whatever it is, it's just lash out. Trumpism, I like that. We should copyright that word. <laughs> Does that article really say the flood was biblical? That's what that, this was his quote. That's funny because, yeah, it's a local flood. 
<laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> good one, good one. And he got away in a canoe, and you know, and then Noah got into his RV. He had two of every pet with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for the unicorns. Except for the unicorns. See, yeah. the problem was that they confused it. It was the misinterpretation, you know, that whole God hates fags.com thing. God actually hates figs, yeah, not figs. fags. <laughs> That's why Jesus destroys the fig tree in the New Testament. I don't know why Jesus is angry at figs, but hey. <laughs> Any other thought before we move on from Tony Perkins? No? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's not there's not much really to say other than you just have to smack your forehead and feel sorry for the man. Or maybe not. Well, the, the funny thing <laughs> is, is, you would think after something like that, he would kind of get the irony and maybe stop. This kind of message, but I will bet twenty bucks that he won't. Yeah, yeah. maybe um, maybe start believing in karma instead. Yeah, yeah. gay yeah. prides go on without a hitch, and then his place floods. That's awesome. No, they <laughs> they they they've been believing too long to give it up. You know, because of a flood of biblical proportions. <laughs> <laughs> Local flood. That's the best part. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for your thoughts on this. All right, Ben. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of the. Um, uh, lady I saw interviewed after a hurricane, uh, a tornado. Oh yes, I remember her. And uh, and uh, she told the reporter that she thanked God for saving her dog. And the reporter reminded her that her neighbors were dead. Oh, <laughs> okay, uh, that's not the one. I, okay, I thought you were you meant the one that uh, that was interviewed by Wolf Blitzer. Oh, that was that, that was funny when she said. I mean, the atheist. Yeah, you, oh, you remember that one? Choked up. <laughs> Are you are you guys familiar with the uh, George Orwell story? The guy who wrote 1984 and Animal Farm. Mm-hmm. He went and fought in the uh, Spanish War, yep. and he got shot, and the bullet went through his throat, and he survived. Mm. And his his friends were like, "You're so lucky." He's like, "I'm not lucky. If I was lucky, I wouldn't have got shot at all." <laughs> <laughs> talk about cherry picking, eh? <laughs> totally. Yeah. All right. So today we're going to talk about Ben and his book. Tyler, you want to? Lead that discussion? Yeah, I guess I'll let him talk a little bit more about it. Uh, ben is a friend of mine that I had met in my Facebook group, intellect- or discussion group for intellectuals. Uh, I believe his book is called Origins of Religion. He writes and, locked, and posts a lot of stuff in my group. It, uh, it reminds me a lot of The Evolution of God by Robert Wright. Has anybody read that? No. I heard a lot of good stuff about it. Yeah, it's a great, great book. He's a sociobiologist, evolutionary psychologist, and kind of goes back and explains why cavemen invented religion. Like, we're going back pre-agricultural revolution, right? So, um, yeah, that's kind of what Ben talks about, and him and I, I believe, are pretty much on the same page, so I'll uh, just let him talk about his book go ahead ben all right ben mike's all yours yeah well actually it's a it's a new insight uh, I, I don't want to be uh bragging but there's a new insight i think uh or you might call it a new theory um the uh, the fact was that uh i first of all um walked and what happened actually in vancouver i, I remember the vancouver expo Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. that was in the 80s. There, there was a, a Indian uh, monument uh, called uh, the Spirit Catcher. The Spirit Catcher? Yeah, and the Spirit Catcher was on that expo. Eventually it got transported and sold to Barry, and it's now here. Hmm. But it started me thinking, uh, you know, and reading about some Indian folklore about spirits. And uh, actually, spirit is the wind. 
uh, in. And then I find out, of course, that uh, the spirit or breath is very common uh, in most other religions as well. Even the Inca religion has a, has a spirit which is a, is a, a breath. And of course, the Bible is full of it because uh, breath is what uh, God blows in the nose of Adam. And uh, I thought, hey, if the spirit, that is an idea that's probably common because it was invented before the dispersion of the, of the group that is still alive. Uh, then I find the, the latest research in DNA where uh, uh, Professor Myron from the Arizona uh, university um, finds that the DNA of the human race is all the same, so that we're basically the same species. And there have been other species, uh, sort of like the uh, Theanertalers, and uh, but they they're all gone by now. So this goes back to a small group of survivors in Africa. Uh, there were other human species who survived the Ice Age. But there's only one still alive or still around. Now, that's the human race as well. So racism is kind of stupid because we're all the same race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you put that together, then maybe the idea of, of the wind spirit was an original thought of that particular group, which is understandable because air is the life force. You know, you cannot do without air for, for minutes. Uh, you can do without food and water for a while, but you can't do without air. So if air is the, the life spirits, and then you, you go back through history where uh, a baby is not a human until it takes his first breath, and uh, and and some of the uh, religions who said, uh, you know, after you die, your, your spirit goes back to the great spirit. Well, that's your last breath, joining the great spirit. So the great spirit... Is that originally then all the explanation of the spiritual world and spirits going to heaven is actually a man-made variety of the original thought that the spirit was breath. Mm -hmm. And it makes total sense too, right? I mean, to the primitive humans, knowing that when somebody dies, if they're by that person's side, last thing they'll hear is the last breath of this person. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense to think that, you know, uh, like a Christian tradition uh, and Jewish tradition, Nancy, correct me on this, used to say that the soul entered the body with your first breath. That's right. Which was That's... a hell of an argument all of a sudden for abortion, isn't it? Not too long ago, uh, of course, babies were not considered to be murdered if they were killed before they uh, took their first breath. Yes. And that's why they often, uh, uh, in uh, nun uh, nunneries or whatever, they call kill those babies before they took it for a breath and then they weren't murderers. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, I understand that in some Asian parts, uh, they still consider that uh, uh, that the baby is, if a baby is killed before it takes its first breath, that it is not murder. But you combine that now with near... <laughs> Those two points, then, is that the original spirit is an idea which is very understandable, if you, if you use uh, Occam's razor, is very understandable that that was a widespread um, idea before we all dispersed into the different areas. And the fact that, uh, that we are all coming from a small group of survivors, 
then you combine that with near the neuroscience nowadays, which says, "Hey, uh, consciences and 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 awareness is is a brain function." And you know, my mother died of Alzheimer's. So when I started thinking about that, I said, "Yeah, what her awareness disappeared when part of her brain started dying." So. What that indicates to me is that when the brain stops, awareness stops. And therefore, there is no afterlife. And the afterlife is, is just an man-made idea building up on the, on the original idea of the spirit being the, the life force. And so if you combine those three, then there is no afterlife. No. There is no heaven and there is no hell. Is it, is it possible that maybe people thought that since the spirit and the breath were one and the same, that, you know, since the spirit, quote-unquote, leaves the body when you expire, that, you know, just like yeah. the wind, it's everywhere and essentially right. it's endless and keeps going? Maybe that was one of the catalysts for uh, right. the afterlife. Right. Right. And then and, and the whole idea of when they say, I'm spiritual, what do you really mean? It means, it means drink. you're thinking about it. Uh, what does spiritual mean as, as a word? Give me a, a definition. I mean, there's lots of definitions, but none of them really make sense. Outside because you can, make, you can make spiritually, uh, spirituality um, uh, mean anything that you want it to be. I thought it meant that if you had a glass of whiskey in your hand, you said you're spiritual. That's pretty much what it meant. Drinking spirits. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> well, the the atheist definition that I have come to like, which kind of makes the word pointless, is spiritual yeah. as being in awe of the universe. I'm not sure if you've ever seen that uh, Science Saved My Soul video by that Phil right. Helene's, Helene, whatever his name is. It gives a really good, you know, the whole we are stardust, that kind of thing. But when I started uh, uh, my... Uh, uh, my website and and of course Facebook and started talking about this. I got all sorts of reactions, which were very interesting. Uh, and, uh, and you'll find a lot of that in my book too. When they ask a question and I answer it, so I started doing more research and more research, especially from the questions that came down. And uh, then I find out that a lot of you know a lot of people don't read. Uh, uh, academic books. So when you refer them to Hitchens or uh, any, you know, any of the, of the of the writers, they haven't heard of it and they don't write it. And they don't like the uh, academic jargon that they're used. So I thought maybe there is a use for a book that's written to the common people, mm -hmm. which shows the the common questions that they ask with the reasonable answers to those questions, and uh, it also, of course. Uh, is directed at fence sitters, people who are not sure, you know, uh, I meet them all the time. They, uh, they still go to church, uh, and, uh, but they're, they're not sure, or, of course, they don't want to come out. I mean, that's because it has some uh, repercussions. Uh, when I came out as an atheist, my family didn't, uh, uh, didn't disown me, but they're all they're praying for me, right? Yeah, of course. Well, I I have to add some pragmatism here because we were talking about pragmatism like earlier. Mr. Pragmatist, yeah. You? But when you think about what was the function, what was the benefit to cavemen? I don't know if we're talking about a hundred thousand years ago or fifty. It doesn't make any difference. It's kind of the same thing now. Is I mean, if, if you have children, anyways, you can imagine 
have a caveman losing their five-year-old kid to illness or whatever, and the kid is dead and gone, it's, it's emotionally comforting to imagine that you'll go to heaven and see them again, right? Yeah, it's hope, right? It's like, well, and I'm an atheist, and I understand the, the science, and still, if I lost my kid, I would probably want, really, really, really want to believe in heaven. So you can't blame these people from 100,000 years ago. So there are definitely, I think it's an emotional crutch, a lot of this belief, plus it also gives you a sense of control, you know? We can sacrifice people and animals to the gods of harvest, and that'll give us some sense of control. And people panic when they don't feel like they have some sense of control, right? I right. mean, and, and arguments from ignorance, the god of the gaps. I mean, imagine being a caveman 100,000 years ago, and a lightning bolt strikes a, a tree, you know, however many meters away from you and it catches fire you're gonna be like what the fuck was that like it this thing is trying to kill us what do we do that's it man game over man it's game over what the fuck are we gonna do now you know that whole thing that i've uh, posted on your wall and in our groups where the idea is you know you're you're personifying things like lightning and saying this shit's trying to kill us what are we gonna do let's let's offer it some of our stuff let's you know, pin people down and cut their hearts out and yeah, offer it to the gods. It's the, it's, it's the virgin uh, sacrifice to the volcano god, right? That's, exactly, that's exactly, exactly. So for, for it's totally emotional, though. It's it's uh, we have somehow uh, in our genes a drive to find an answer for anything because we can't stand the in- insecurity. Yeah, because it's <laughs> useful. Survival in a survival right. sense, it is useful right. to find those answers, right? Oh yeah, and therefore, therefore, I think it has been has been very uh, uh, good for evolution of of our particular uh, human race, uh, as as aggressiveness has as well. <laughs> but yeah, I think the reason we survived is of all the particular human species that were originally there, and they're, 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 they were at least a handful. Uh, we were the most aggressive, and we were the one who survived, and the rest is all gone. But the uh, um, what I wanted to say was that if we have this drive to find a solution for anything which has happened, whether uh, except that we often have people who just fantasize an answer rather than uh, have a idea of, for example, thunder. Right, you can fantasize that there's a god throwing a, an, uh, a thing around, or you can think of nature. Uh, what what did happen here? Uh, before anybody knew electricity, of course, there was no answer, but an, a fantasized answer. Well, now, the, yeah, and the guy giving the answers tends to get a lot of power over the tribe as well, right? So, we, absolutely, absolutely, uh, uh, the, the shaman was probably you know you, when you look at the old. Uh, Tribes, they probably had, or they had two leaders, a military leader, which was uh, uh, a Trump guy. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everything in this show comes back to Trump. And, and a religious leader who uh, was like a, uh, uh, well, what do we call him, a magician, right? And he was very apt at, at fooling people, uh, and therefore he was very, very powerful. Uh, but by now... There is enough. There is enough science that people should get off this this fantasy idea, 
and start thinking critically. And uh, I hope the book would give some people who are not studying this um, some insight and some critical thinking when they start reading, hey, yeah, that, that, that sounds reasonable to me. Uh, and uh, the, the, uh, the book is full uh, there too of, of the questions that I got and I answered on my uh, website and, and uh, blog and, uh, and Facebook. Ben, I would encourage you to uh, maybe send your book to our, our friend Arn Raw in Texas because he's been uh, postulating the same, uh, coming to the same conclusions you have essentially about the whole spirit thing and the breath. Uh, he even goes to, to give an example that he pulled out of one of the uh, Conan the Barbarian movies, you know, where the, one of the characters says, you know, where well, your God lives in the mountain, my God is the everlasting sky. You know, he's, he's everywhere, he's, you know, more powerful, he's above. And yeah. I, th- I think I think this goes into the same vein. Yeah, what baffles me though is that critical thinking it seems to be such a, uh, a scarce phenomena with our population, and I probably blame that on education. Uh, I was at a conference uh, a couple of weeks ago in Niagara Falls, where a guy um, uh, was uh, promoting critical thinking, uh, and and. Uh, travels all over the world to bring to the education system critical thinking. And I think that is most important in what, what we need to get people away from those very illogical uh, propositions that the religion makes. It's a, it's a baffle. Oh, sorry. Mm. <laughs> well, it baffles me. Yeah, I'll put the sound off of my. As, as in, in the States, I know as the urban centers grew and there were more children enrolled in school and classroom size got bigger, it became a lot easier for teachers. And you've been a teacher. I was a speech pathologist in the public school, but I had to do with, with teachers as well. It became a lot easier to design tests that had multiple choice than to have them write anything critical about the material that they've learned. And unfortunately, um, multiple choice took over and critical thinking just kind of you know went down the rabbit hole. In addition to that, we have to contend with like media, which is really bad right now. Yeah, totally agree. So, yeah. Teacher, I totally agree with you. The true and false and the multiple choice questions are not learning. I, I, you know, I've always said that maybe one of the reasons why today uh, critical thinking is so uncommon is because today you don't actually need to be able to think to survive. That's right. You can actually just go to your medial job and you don't need to invent anything. You don't need to create anything. You don't need to uh, analyze. You just need to follow the system. And memorize this shit. Yeah. And, and pass the test, do the job, oh. fuck off. Yeah. In- and, interestingly, and, 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 well, test your sorry, memorization, not your critical thinking. Uh, yeah, well, educators, at least in the, in the primary and, and, and secondary, uh, schools are when when they are when they are they go through their uh, education courses they're not taught critical thinking they're not taught how to go about teaching it to the kids they're taught um, you know uh, how 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 to present the information so that they can grade those papers as quick as possible and move on to the next subject exactly. and they're not always that. Um, versed in their own subjects, so they can't really explain it well to the students. You're in depth. the educational system has become a, essentially a production line. 
I think so. Like yeah, the little right, can yeah. of peas comes on without the label, and it goes out with the label, and everybody's happy. So no we student all student held back, no student left behind. That's we right. all need to run for the school board and get this shit put in, eh? You'd be a good candidate, Ben, since you were a teacher as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Yeah. There's no, uh, by the way, for people that don't know, n- there is no job that Nancy has ever done. <laughs> I think I think she was even a line tamer at some point. She's like 400 <laughs> years old, so that gave her a lot of time. What? She's not. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, there, it's the emotionally comforting thing, though. I mean, you can teach critical thinking, and that's great. But when people want to believe something because it makes them feel better, that's a bit of an issue. And then there's also the aspect where people want to have this special knowledge, you know? They believe ridiculous shit that may not be necessarily emotional comforting in the sense that, you know, loss of a child or fearing death or whatever. But I remember back when I was stupid as hell, I got sucked into all that Graham Hancock shit. Oh, yeah. Even though all the, you know, European archaeology department, archaeologists around the world said this guy is a quack. I was like... It's a worldwide conspiracy. They're suppressing the truth. I know something that most people don't know. I thought I had this conspiracy theory special knowledge. So we'll probably still have to find a way to deal with that. But maybe we can come up with, you know, critical thinking classes that will prevent people from going that direction. Don't believe something simply because it makes you feel good. And if it does make you feel good, maybe that's an indication that it might be bullshit. I don't know whether there's as much dumbing. We're getting far afield, Ben, and I, I apologize for that. Um, I don't know whether there's as much dumbing down in Canada as there is in the U.S. I think it, it, dumbing down is almost endemic in the U.S. at this point, at least in the pub, most of the public schools. We score like really high on science, and yeah. the United States is really low in science. But even here, I didn't learn shit about... I asked this in my group the other day. Nobody mentioned evolution or the big bang to me at all throughout all of elementary school right that is kind of an issue i didn't know i had absolutely no idea that if you go back a hundred thousand years you end up with a group of black homo sapiens in africa i didn't know that until after high school that's a shame like that pretty much debunks all of racism right there i would don't forget a lot of the teachers don't even believe it you know yeah, that, that's that's a travesty. I mean, even myself coming from from back east, coming from Quebec, which where everybody is essentially Catholic, I was shocked when I moved here to BC and realized people were debating evolution. Oh yeah, I said, the, are, you, yeah. are you kidding me? Because the Catholic Church endorses the Big Bang and evolution. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. So yeah. not budging on the gay thing though, but <laughs> well, don't forget we still have a flat Earth society in the states. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many members there are, but I'm hoping most of it is oh, just satire. But. I, I, I was reading away about 500 members or so. I think but, the yeah, numbers they're, they're, have plateaued. A tiny. <laughs> yeah, they're they're now. Um, I think they're now all members of the the fringe, but they they're now calling the alt right or the the white supremacist or right. you know they're really way to the right of the libertarian party. They're they're still out there, and we've seen them crawl out from their rocks during the during this campaign. You're always all five hundred of them, I'm sure. Ben. You're always going to have a tiny percentage of people who think that the president of the United States is a shape shifting reptile. You know what I mean? Or I mean, he's not. Or there's yeah, he's not reptile bases. There's a the, the Graham, Graham Hancock thing that really tipped me off because I was 
looking for somebody to debunk it for me because mm. I started looking about the skeptic thing and they showed me a book that he wrote about the face on Mars. I was like, oh, fuck. A whole book on the face A whole on book Mars. about how there's a face on Mars. Well, you so. guys are getting way off base here because we're supposed to be talking a bit about well, his no, book. No, but, and so stop talking about but no, I'm, had muting a you. You. It does, I'm muting you. It does, I, you've just been muted. No, no, you've been muted, dude. Yeah, People well. believe what they want to believe in spite of the evidence to the contrary. Whether it be religion or atheists do the same thing with ghosts and shape-shifting reptiles. It's the exact same thought process that leads people to religion. But it's frightening the percentage of people who still believe in their nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you see what happens in the States, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, when you, when, when, uh, when Trump uh, uh, makes a statement and that, you know, millions of people vote for him. Even if it's it's totally out of whack, it doesn't make any difference uh, politically or 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 um, religious wise. How can people believe it? If we start educating people, creating thinking, we have to start them early. And this is why the aliens have not visited Earth because <laughs> we're like the Alabama of the universe. <laughs> yeah. These aliens know, and they tell each other, "Don't even stop there for fuel, Zork. These people are just crazy. <laughs> they think about anything, and they're obsessed with anal probing." <laughs> yeah, and we're made out of meat. Yeah. <laughs> What's your question, Swatsky? Oh yeah, it was uh, for Ben there. Um, I was just thinking, you know, you, you said earlier about the uh, the shaman kind of. You sort of implied that the shaman would be kind of a, a con artist, right? Yeah. Sort of thing that that would start this religion but i think that i think he actually would have believed exactly what he was what he was teaching he probably didn't understand the tricks and everything that he was doing only that they worked i don't think it was like necessarily like i'm sure that he believed uh in 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 what he was doing yeah but then so okay well, well basically what i'm driving at is like it almost would seem that it's part of our biology to is. have to compartmentalize or make up things to describe all these things, maybe in order to move past them. Like, the amount of thought that would have to go into trying to understand something that you didn't like lightning, and you've yeah. never had any way of explaining it, if you had to think about that all the time, it would probably interfere with your hunting abilities and your <laughs> ability to raise children or whatever, right? Right. Well, we personify everything. My, yeah. my two-year-old apologizes to her socks. <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> no, but I got, I got to, I got to jump in here because I think what Ben is trying to say is, um, even if you are a shaman and even if you do believe in the religious teachings that you're teaching, it does put you in a position of trust to the king and therefore a powerful political position, and a, a, a position that where you can actually put your your favorite people in charge as well, right? Uh, I'm thinking more like long, along the lines of way Neanderthal, whatever. No, but yeah, but even, even, if a, even in a tribe, mm-hmm. right? I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you, if you have the ear of the tribal leader because yeah. you're the shaman, uh, yeah. it's, it's a, the same kind of political game we see today. Right? You get more food and more sex. Hell yeah. But do you think that they just, they <laughs> just usurp that point, like that position, like, on their own, or do you think that people trust them enough to sort of elect them in there in the first place, and then it's passed on for some kind of tradition? Those people are not elected. Yeah, uh, not, a modern not, example not is example. that Billy Graham had more influence on the president of the United States than the president of the United States had on the politics of his party. Oh, no, I'm just talking about origin of religion. Not, oh, well, yeah. In the origin, of course. Uh, what also was a drive, I think, is... If you have an old story which has been passed on by song and dance about a comet doing a devastating 
uh, a disaster somewhere, mm-hmm. and that is in the, in the in the memory and passed on and and distorted. And suddenly the the shaman sees uh, sees uh, another comet in the sky that might do the same thing, that he wants to have the power to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And by by say offering up uh, a goat or or a human sacrifice and the comet goes away and does nothing, mm-hmm. he believes that it actually worked. Okay, yeah, I can I can that see that all like rituals and correlation, all not causation. But yeah. um okay, like like you have like it, these ideas and everything like that. Uh, what do we actually know about how religion started? Like, do we, what what do we base this on, like factual wise? Like, I can c- imagine lots of different ways that it did come about, and you know, like the lightning thing explaining all that stuff. But is there well, anything specifically that we can look? I at? have physical evidence, but you guys can talk first. I don't think there's really that much archaeology or yeah. anthropology that can actually. I think the most it's probably mostly speculation. I would speculation. Think. There yeah. is some physical evidence. I mean, we do have the evidence that the human brain is extremely prone to logical fallacies, especially arguments from ignorance. But when we're talking like archaeological evidence as you go back we end up with animism which is obviously the worship of animals right mm-hmm. but if, if you look at it it tends to be food you know what i mean you guys ever see that eye caveman with rob wolf they took a bunch of people stuck them in butt fuck nowhere and made them hunt their own food and they hadn't eaten for like seven days so they right. eventually they eventually like high school <laughs> <laughs> they eventually killed an elk and they were so happy about it they were like in tears you know what i mean and like praying and like thanking the animal for dying you know what i mean cuz they're starving for days and then they finally get to eat so they ended up kind of like worshiping their food and that's what you get when you go back to you know 40 50,000 year old cave paintings it, it, it's animism. That is the the first religious evidence that we have around the world. How do we know that those cave paintings, though, were were that and not just boredom because you're stuck in a cave all winter? Well, you you, you can actually see it. Like part of it might be dreams too. Who knows? But that would take me probably an hour to explain. These people, but I can give you the why anthropologists say this, why they believe this, why they believe that. But Another time. Then. W- one of the things that I would just like you guys to imagine is imagine a caveman, you know, 60,000 years ago accidentally consumes like a hallucinogenic Mushrooms. psychedelic drug, right? <laughs> but they don't know that they consumed it. They can't figure out correlation with causation. Right. That guy starts tripping balls. Uh, the rest of the tribe might think that he's communicating with God or... And uh, Robert Sapolsky, that that professor, his idea for the origins of religion is that, you know, even 60,000 years ago, we would have people with schizophrenia Mm -hmm. and they would stand out and those people would kind of be designated as the shaman, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, like there's like, well, St. John the Divine who wrote Revelations. I mean, that had to be an acid trip. (laughs) Well, I think it was more of a code. There was actually, and, and obviously, these, like you said, these people that were hunting the elk. Uh, I can tell that these people obviously never had my cooking because it's more of an exorcism you need. <laughs> <laughs> jo- uh, ben, where can people yeah. find your book? Is, sorry, where can people find your book? Oh, Amazon. Uh, dot com. Uh, actually, all the ebooks uh, uh, suppliers have them. Uh, Amazon has the hard, hard copy and the, and the uh, um, paperback. Uh, so uh, all you have to do is 
the title is 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 uh, unique enough that if you type in why you won't go to hell in the in the top line, uh, they'll come up. Okay, that would surprise me. And if you put my full name, Benjamin Van de Veer of Andrews, on there, since it's also unique, uh, you get to the right point. But if you just type in Amazon and go to the search box and type in "Why won't you go to hell?" it'll come right up. Are you, are the web, gonna, the website gonna, is originsofreligion.com, though. Uh, or well, yeah, you can go to to my website, and uh, there it shows all the others like Friesen Press and Barnes and Nobles and. Uh, and the uh, other e-books that carry it. So you can just go to uh, www.origin-off-religion.com. Excellent. And uh, and uh, you're going to send us a link, so maybe we can uh, put it in the notes of the show and try to help promote your book a bit? And I love that. Yeah, love of course. Because I'm not really there to make money but I I, uh, uh, I like to see sure hope not because you're not going to make money with this show that's for sure <laughs> yeah. so, and if I re- uh, recover my, because I had to self-publish of course uh, because I was turned down by so many uh, 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 since it's not you know fiction or or uh, or uh, UFOs it's uh, it's a hard sell well and if you don't have a PhD it's hard to get published right so so, so Ben is there a, is there a book that you're working on now to follow the first one oh, oh, definitely definitely I get piles of material uh, uh, so the, there will be there will be a second edition for sure uh, if I live long enough uh, I'll be I'll be 80 in March so keep breathing if you live long enough wait a minute do you have dirt on Hillary Clinton is that what happened here yeah <laughs> <laughs> he's the same age as you Nancy yeah. I, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a quadruple bypass. So, oh goodness! You know, and I just got a new knee installed uh, a month ago. A new knee installed. Oh, you'll be bionic. You're going forever, yeah, totally. kiddo. And I have to replace parts, you know, <laughs> because my brain is off, and I have to replace that one too. I I can't read your book because I need it on audio, eh? Right. Need an audio book, so maybe we'll get Kevin to read it and record it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which Kevin? Yeah, which Kevin? Exactly. He's, he, he's got a better voice than I. <laughs> you know, I I, I uh, wanted to add to uh, the origin of an as- for astrology is much the same as the as the origin of the spirit, because you can you can imagine that people when they the sun the sun you know plant dies if they weren't exposed to the sun, uh, and the sun made days and nights and the and the and the moon made tides that they connected heavenly bodies with happenings on earth, mm-hmm. and the. Ex- Extrapolated that well, if those big bodies uh, influence the singers, maybe the small ones do too. Since there's so many of it, eventually they started thinking uh, that uh, an individual star might represent somebody on Earth, right? Yeah. Uh, so astronomy de- developed the same way as as the spirit is, uh, and that's not a religion. Well. Well, it depends who you ask. Well, <laughs> Jupiter, Mars, those are all Roman gods, right? Right, right. So, yeah, there's the whole mixture that uh, all grew together. So it's not only pure religion that uh, evolved from the cavemen, but you, you can you can see that the cavemen knew uh, that some smart one, right, the shaman, discovered that uh, how the tides worked when you when you looked at the moon. Yeah. And of course, they 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 put up all the stone hinges with their hundreds of of, of those circles, uh, and used large stones so you couldn't easily move them, where they could 
start predicting the future by uh, where the sun pointed that particular day when when the season would start. So mm -hmm. uh, it's all very logical that uh, that this developed. But now we know better. Science should take over from the the fantasy, right? Exactly. Yeah, now we know aliens built the pyramids, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, totally no, kidding no. for anybody who thinks I'm serious. I mean, and I just was going to the geocentric page here today where people still believe that the uh, Earth is the absolute center of the... Yeah, and, and not, not a small group of people. Well, first of all, these people are wrong because the center of the universe is Toronto, and everybody knows that. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was you. <laughs> no, God, no. Yeah. So big, you got your own mass. Your own yeah, orbit. my old gravitational pull. Yeah, there you go. Ben, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Before I let you go, can I have you uh, do me a small favor? What is it? Can you say, hi, I'm Ben Andrews, and I took a left at the valley. Ha <laughs> Hi, I'm Ben Andrews, and I took a left at the valley. And that was Ben Andrews. Nice guy. Good nice conversation. Guy. Nice yeah, guy. let us down a couple of interesting wandering paths. Oh, you're clapping. I thought you were groping someone. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing these hand gestures. Yeah. Leave Nancy alone, Kevin. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, oh. Nancy. Before we let you go, I have a, a, a little segment that we used to do. Let's do a confession. How about we do that, guys? Okay. Confession was that little segment we did where we kind of confess a sin and ask a bit of advice. Where you steal me, shit from the gym. I have been. I just... I. We did this once or twice, and I thought I had a little story. I just wanted your advice on it. As you guys know, I'm a bit of a gym rat. I'm at the gym on a regular basis. And I had a bit of an interesting dilemma. I was uh, on the bench press, heavy weight, you know, and I was getting kind of tired. Now, you, what you do is you ask for a spotter. A spotter is somebody that comes behind, that gives your hand should you need it, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of security that's... In case you drop a dumbbell on your head or something. Now the problem is, is I'm seeing a lot. Of, I was as at the gym at that time. There's very few men, a lot of women, and I kind of felt compelled not to really ask women. Uh, say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. Because I'm at that point, I'm wondering, you know, if I ask women, are they going to start thinking that I'm flirting with them and I'm trying to show off? And if I don't ask women, am I being sexist? Mm. So, am I sexist for not asking women? No. What'd you have on the bench? Like two fifty? Three hundred? Three hundred pounds? Yeah, I would just be like, "Help!" And whoever the hell comes, comes. Well, well, no. You asked for the spotter before you lift, right? Oh, it was before. I thought. Yeah, you, you don't do it while you lift. Well, I was gonna say I, that, I, but I, then I don't, yeah. I don't know whether I'd say sexist. I might say overprotective maybe which is you know sort of not being fully aware that women are able to help you mostly to the same extent if if i was there with you i wouldn't i probably wouldn't be able to help but if but you would said you'd be offended would, if i asked you no not at all well I, yeah but you know me but if you did not know me would you think right. it'd be an attempt at me trying to Hey, oh, I hope it would be the case. <laughs> <laughs> from she your hopes from so. your from your lips to you know the, what, what what whatever is out there that will help me along. Absolutely, I would take it as such a comp. But that's just me. Um, no, I think it would depend on the way you did it. I mean, if you did it in a flirty way, or if you did it in a sincere way that you need help. Either way. Whatever woman responded to whatever tone. I, 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 bottom line, 
I'd ask. Okay. I wouldn't be strong enough to help you spot 300 well, yeah, but, pounds. Well, your no. spotter is a lot, of, a lot of it is psychological. I'm doing like 90%. It's just in case I have it a hard time. Are you time going to failure? Well, mostly you try, right? Well, if you're going to failure, I probably wouldn't be able to help you get it back up. Now, if there is a tiny little guy like me, and then there's a woman standing next to him, and she looks like she's on steroids, ask her. I would just put it out there and yell out. Can somebody help? <laughs> yeah. Hello? Somebody yeah. help before I get crushed. Gender neutral. Yeah, well, yeah that's exactly. That's exactly it. I, I, I want to give women as much of a chance as men, right? I just don't want to. I don't want to be sexist or feel like I'm sexist doing it. You also don't want to make them uncomfortable, like exactly. making you making them feel like you're hitting on them somehow. Or I've tried. So I think if you create if you if you create the right tone, you know that you sincerely need some help. See who responds. You know, if you get a nice person to respond, that's fine. If you get do that next time I go benching. the I've, awkward positioning too, right? Like, how do you? How do they? Let know me stick that my head in your like, crotch. Yeah, oh, you're not, not just there. trying to like, get your thrills or whatever. Because like, they're standing <laughs> over top of you, and then. You, you know, some people would be so inclined to like. Thank you, know. guys. You were okay, no help now at here's all. Okay, here's your mission if you accept it. The next time you go to the gym, ask for help and see what response you get and let us know. Well, yeah. Normally you have to establish eye contact with a specific person and then say, yeah, come and help me. Maybe I'll just ask the staff next time. Find, <laughs> yeah, just find the hottest girl. That's the plan. Thank you so much for being on the show, guys. <laughs> Coming up next week, we have Eli Bosnick of the God Awful Movies. This awesome. is going to be a blast. Oh, so fun. I want all of you guys here. We're going to have a lot of fun with this guy. The guy is hilarious. And what else is coming out? We have a show on the flood coming up too as well. Yep. And more stuff. We'll keep you guys up in, in. Always something new and different. Exactly. And hopefully bizarre. And Sawatsky <laughs> and I are going to go head to head and debate uh, yes, objective and subjective. We reality. also have a debate with a Christian that was brave enough that okay. should come decide to come on the show. That's going to be fun. What? Yes. Yeah. The hell you say. I know. Uh, so you can follow us on uh, Facebook, uh, leftatvalley.com. We're on Twitter. Send us an email, leftatvalley@outlook.com. Guys, thank you so much. Until next time. The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic. I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained. Millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful. That many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone. Speak your mind, time to let it be known. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist, atheist, atheist.